welcome to New Age Raid, a podcast about spirituality in the modern age. My name is Brody, and I shall be your host. Hey guys, and welcome back to this show. I apologize for the <laughs> delay in this episode coming out. It's just life's been a piece of work lately on several levels. So, um, But anyways, uh, we're uh, kind of going to follow the typical format, me kind of talking about my own spiritual experience, what's been going on with me, uh, and then we'll get to talking a little bit more about the new age in of, of itself. Sorry if I sound a little sick, it's because I am sick. <laughs> so that's one of the other things that's kind of like adding to the general stress of the moment. Um, but um, just to get started and go ahead and talk about what's been going on with me. Um, so spiritually, I've been dealing with a lot of stuff lately. Um and looking at it in the context of what's been going on over not just recently, but in the past several years, it feels like there's been a pruning of my life of sorts, just particularly in the last few weeks. Um, I've been very much applying that whole new age adage that we mentioned earlier of using what works and cut out what no longer serves you. And it began several years ago with Mormonism itself, um, and that was a big piece of it of cutting that thing out of my life, not entirely, but taking that as a belief system and keeping what I wanted to and cutting out the rest. Um, and it took years to come to terms with my own feelings on, on it and how to navigate the world after it was removed from my own personal belief system. And then I had to kind of rebuild from scratch. Um, and I had to do that building all by myself and so it's been a time of my life where I needed to ask myself what I believed, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to act, and what I actually desired. And this is difficult work, um, finding out not only what is true, but what my life's purpose should be and how I go about being a decent human being. Um, one of the recent big trials I've had is issues I've never had to deal with until starting this whole new endeavor of the podcast or the podcast I see is a piece of it, but me trying to begin a new, new endeavor of trying to spiritually help and serve other people. To be completely frank, this is the first time in my life I've actually attempted to do anything challenging or difficult on a career level. I dropped out of college fairly early after seeing my wife work so hard for a bachelor's degree that in the end couldn't get her a job. Um, that's seems to be quite typical these days. Um, but also at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And at that point, my spiritual fire had been put out by my mission experience. And so I didn't see that as an option. So I basically, I settled. I did work. Well, I currently still do work that I currently feel isn't suited to me at all. But I also believe that if you keep at it, anyone can learn how to do anything if you're given a lot a lot of time. <laughs> um, but So I've gotten proficient at my day job, but the work I've done for the past six years of my life isn't fulfilling or challenging to me in any way. Um, and working on this podcast has forced me to deal with my own self-doubt. 
it's the first time I've tried to create something of value and it's, and it's challenging. I'm constantly doubting whether it's worthwhile for anyone to listen to, to all of this while also being aware that vocalizing that doubt is problematic. Nobody wants to listen to someone who doesn't believe in themselves. So I recognize that while also feeling like what I have to offer is, is my own vulnerability, my own journey. Um, I imagine anyone who does anything creative like this kind of feels the way that I felt over the past few weeks. And it's also the nature of what I'm teaching that makes me feel insecure. Because I realize that the ideas that I'm talking about here get a bad rap from very smart people. And being someone who values scientific fact greatly, and I owe a lot to it, I understand where those people are coming from. But I also have to admit they don't have the whole picture. And it was the first, uh, the scientific angle was the first angle that I tackled these big questions from, and it failed to give me the answers or the purpose I sought. So in light of that, I checked out other claims to truth, other um, alternative ways of finding meaning and purpose. And when I did that with an open mind and an open heart, I found that there was legitimacy there. Uh, there was power and truth and meaning in what they were doing. But regardless, I'm still afraid of being doubted, of not being taken seriously. I'm afraid people often don't approach these things with the same open mind that I've tried to. But at the end, if it's true, it can take the pressure. And so far for me, it it has. I can't force anyone to believe what I'm saying, and I can't force anyone to take me or what I'm doing seriously. But I've come to realize that I should believe in myself and the things that I'm talking about, regardless of, of that fact. These things aren't for the close-minded, and they aren't going to be experienced the same by every person. But I've been my own scientific experiment, and for me, it's worked. Uh, many people who've had the correct idea weren't believed at the time that they had their idea. I mean, you've got Galileo, Martin Luther King, Giordano Bruno, and you know even Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not comparing myself to those people because I fall plenty short of them. But the truth is, is that their ideas weren't wholly accepted at the time they taught them. And that didn't make them any less worth being taught. I believe... Um, we're headed into a new era of spirituality and life on this planet in general. The way we live and the way we relate to all that surrounds us is going to need to change on a fundamental level. And in terms of spirituality, I think we have to learn from our path, our, from our past, both to find what works and what doesn't. And I mean to tread that path myself, and I mean to help others tread it with me. But for the sake of vulnerability, and for the sake of sharing my own truth, I have to tell you how hard <laughs> it is getting here and staying here. I felt alone because the self-doubt colors the world in such a way that you see yourself without friends, even though you do. Our human brains are naturally inclined to see the negative, the threats, because that's how we survived for millions of years. Treating everything as potentially deadly saved ancient human life so many times that it was worth being wrong about often. Um, but we live in a different time where that doesn't serve us as well as it used to. And it does me no good to fear shame and criticism that in the end can't 
truly hurt me. Um, but I do. Nonetheless, as, as hard as I try not to. And all I can do is, is move on in spite of those fears. But I f feel the need to share that that's something that's been dredged up. I've never been in a situation where I felt doubtful of myself. Um, like what I was doing and what I was putting out there wasn't up to snuff. Um, I basically spent all my time since high school operating in circles in which I was competent. And there was plenty of examples right next to me of people who were less competent, which sounds a little bit mean, but it's... Um, when you have... I don't... I, when it comes to something like this, I have people to compare myself to that are, by my estimation, doing an amazing job, and living up to that standard is difficult. Um, and so it's been this difficult road of, of feeling like I'm like part of it's just feeling like I'm crazy because of the things that I'm talking about. Um, because I'm, like I said, I'm aware that very smart people don't take this stuff very seriously. And it's where my own experiences come into conflict with, with those people. <laughs> and it's a weird position being in where you have experience with something and you know it has value and then people that you respect very much feel very differently about those kind of things um, and so at the end of it this this kind of stuff like I said it's not for the close-minded and despite the fact that people have been kinder to me than I would have ever expected in feedback about this podcast and the ideas that I've talked about, the, my, my brain doesn't want to take that seriously, um, even though I know I should be. Um, but that's, that's essentially what's been going on with me. I've been kind of diving deep into issues that I've ignored for several years. Because um, you never really have to work on your self-esteem when you're not doing things that require self-esteem. Um, like I've been working in, in fields where my value is kind of based off of my ability to do things by means of manual labor. <laughs> and um, so the only thing I need is kind of a reasonably functioning body, and I can do the job. Meanwhile, this requires me to put plan and thought into what I'm going to talk about and try and create something of value, and that is much more difficult. <laughs> so it's been a hard couple of weeks dealing with that in conjunction with all the 
house moving situation. Me and my entire family have been sick, it feels like, since the beginning of the year. And there's been more demands made on, on me at work. And it's... <laughs> For those of you who understand astrology fairly well, I'm going through what we call a Saturn return. So I haven't talked about astrology yet, at least not yeah, I haven't talked about it in any kind of um, deep sense, but it's much more complicated than it gets credit for. It's not just your sun sign, which is where the sun was when you were born, but it's all the planets where they were when you were born, and each of them have different significations. But Saturn is a planet that comes around the bend every 29.5 years, somewhere around there. It returns to the place it was when you were born. And so the ages 27 to 29 end up being a period of life that is defined by difficulty and challenge and pain, because that's who Saturn is. Um, as far as associations with each planet goes, you can look towards the Greek and Roman gods that they're associated with, and you can find um, many of their important significations from there. So Saturn is associated with Cronus, the god of time. Um, he's also, he's pretty hardcore. I think the most famous painting of him is the one where he's eating his own children. Um, but he's associated with things that are difficult. He's associated with restriction, boundary, challenges, things that take a long time to come to fruition. And so he tends to be a difficult teacher. And astrologers have studied the lives of several different people and different cases and noted that that age from 29 to, or 27 to 29, tends to be a period of great challenge in a person's life. And that has fulfilled itself quite fully in my own life. Um, I was 27 when I told my wife that I no longer wanted to participate in the church. And that was the beginning of that whole painful process. And that's continued to today. I am, I, there's one astrologer who compared it to someone who's has an outfit that looks very good on them, but it's too tight. And so they keep wearing it, even though it doesn't fit them very well anymore because it looks good or it's an outfit that they're attached to. And then it gets tighter and tighter and tighter until they realize that they, they can't do it anymore, so they finally buy a new outfit that fits them much better. Um, and then they ask themselves why they did that for all those years, wearing that tight outfit, those clothes that were too constrictive and didn't work. And that's the same thing with your Saturn return, is that you see a bunch of things in your life that are causing you pain and difficulty, and you let them go. And that's what I've been doing, is letting go of, you know, beginning with with Mormonism and my religion. But it's involved digging up other issues that I've never dealt with so that I can begin anew. Um, and that's, it's not easy work, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, 
And regardless of it not being easy work, I'm, I'm glad that it's happening, that I'm looking at my life and seeing things and I'm like, why am I using precious time in this one lifetime that I have working at the job that I do? that doesn't challenge me, that doesn't fulfill my purpose, that doesn't give me meaning? Why did I stay in a religion for so long that was no longer helping me to progress spiritually? And so making those major changes is scary and difficult and intimidating. But at the same time, it's I have a life to look forward to now that's much more um, fulfilling and purposeful. But there's a lot of pain to get there. Um, and so I think that's kind of a good intro into the New Age. I think the New Age itself is, a, is very much about letting go of things that aren't working for you and taking things in that do. Um, so we'll go ahead and wrap up my personal experience and then we'll I'll come back and we'll get talking about the new age. Okay, so the new age movement um, itself is very hard to define. Um, it's comprised of so many different things. It seems to have given many researchers and historians headaches over trying to define what it actually is. It's eclectic. It's oftentimes very effective and meaningful, and other times it's full of fraud and deception. On one end of the New Age spectrum, you have anti-vax and exploitive cults, and on the other, you have empowering ideas about who we are and what we're capable, as, capable of as human beings. Um, to give it a brief overview, the New Age was a spiritual milieu. That was the word that was most commonly used by the historians because they didn't want to call it their movement or religion itself because it's so varied. But uh, So this milieu arose during the 60s and 70s, though its roots go f back farther than that. Many ideas from 19th century spiritualism, theosophy, important figures such as Emanuel Swedenborg, Carl Jung, and Anton Mesmer all contributed to it. And I would say that amongst the many things that the New Age is, it is most defined by the same idea that kind of defines this podcast, which is a willingness to take what works from the spiritual world and leave behind the rest. It has been somewhat derogatorily named supermarket spirituality. Uh, New Agers employ a variety of ideas. Many of them are based on practices that have been around a long time. Um, you'll see Buddhism and chakras and and holistic healing methods. Um, but they take all these pieces to form a spirituality that works for the individual. And it's defined by placing spiritual authority upon an individual person rather than upon some ecclesiastical organization or a singular figure. And I think that's the true treasure that we have to plunder from it. That in the end, you are the spiritual authority. Inherent within you is the ability to choose what works for you and what doesn't, and to decide your own path. Um, and that's coming from someone who lived a life for decades in which my wants, my beliefs, and my cosmology were defined for me. 
the things that I did and believed were dictated for me by other people, both alive and long dead. I lived my life and made decisions based on what other people told me was true about the world and God. The New Age, both for me and for many others at that time, when it came about, is a rebellion against that kind of thing. It's a rebellion against being told what to believe and what was right and wrong by someone other than yourself. It's a rebellion against authority that was very typical of that 60s and 70s era. And as liberating as that is, I don't think it's necessarily an easy path to walk for everyone. It requires a lot of introspection and analysis and caution if it's going to be done correctly. And I think that's where the problematic things in the New Age movement emerge from, is people not being analytical and cautious with the beliefs that they take on. In most cases, it's I think it's about finding balance in your beliefs and being willing to accept truth from wherever it can be found. Uh, the religions of the past were not wrong about everything. And if you can find truth in them, you should adopt it. It would be foolish of me to reject everything that Mormonism teaches wholesale because I know for a fact it did some things right, even though it came with a lot of wounding and pain from the things it did wrong. Simply because we find surprisingly effective healing practices within the New Age, such as energy healing or holistic medicine, does not mean we shouldn't go to the hospital or get surgery if we need it. Simply because we're the spiritual authority in our lives does not mean that we are the only sources of truth. We should be ready to admit our own blindness and errors and accept truth from whatever source it comes from, be that science or other religions or the stories of other people. The New Age as a movement teaches us this great lesson about balance, that we should pair open-mindedness with critical thinking and a, will and a willingness to admit when we're wrong. And I think that's where it went wrong, is that you have people who get militant that they're correct about the way they view the world. I think we can all associate anti-vaxxers with that. They've decided <laughs> that this one aspect of the medical world is inherently wrong, and they've decided to blame it for a bunch of things and refuse to be convinced otherwise. Um I'm in a position now where, because of my study of these things and the experiences I've had, where I'm almost entirely convinced that you should always doubt someone who is entirely sure of what they believe, um, to the point that they reject any attempt at all to be convinced otherwise. Um, because like, like I've said several times, is if it is true, it can stand up to the pressure. Um, and so adopting that mindset of never being wrong and not allowing your beliefs to be criticized or challenged is dangerous ground to be on. Um, I think that's the fundamental problem with organized religion is that they don't allow themselves to be wrong because it would be admitting imperfection on their part, but that also denies them any opportunity of improving. Um, I think 
admitting wrongness is a fundamental part of improving as a human being. And so you've got to, with anything that you see in the new age, you have to be willing to be open to whatever you hear and test it out and experiment on yourself. But you also have to be willing to play devil's advocate on your own beliefs. And that's not easy for most people to do. Um, but I think that's the lesson of it, is that if you're not being critical of yourself, you can go wrong in a lot of ways. But the New Age gives us this new framework for finding spiritual truth that I think is extremely effective as long as it's applied correctly. And when it comes to the New Age, I could go into far more detail about its origins. We could talk about Helena Blavatsky, we could talk about spiritualism and theosophy and many of the ideas that define the New Age. You know, there's obviously a lot of belief systems that appear in it quite often. Astrology is a big deal in the New Age. The alternative healing is a big deal. They have very different but similar within the movement um, ideas about what God is. Um, but I don't think that's um, the main lesson that we want to pick up from New Age. I think the main lesson is this idea of placing your spiritual authority in yourself. And then that adage of taking what works and leaving behind what doesn't is, is the most important thing it almost feels kind of redundant because that's the whole point of my podcast at this point. And so I think new age raid <laughs> ends up being an appropriate way to, to title the thing because we are approaching this in a very new agey sense, but also in the sense that I do sincerely believe that we're entering into a new age of spirituality and life on this planet. That's going to require us to rethink the way we approach human spirituality. Um, so with that, we'll talk about some particularly effective tools I found while exploring the New Age and resources you can use if you want to study them more. Um, I would say the biggest treasure I found personally for me has to be a meditation teacher by the name of Sarah Blondin. I feel like she definitely fits in the New Age because her work is very much what I would have called crunchy and hippie-style love and peace stuff. Um, it's definitely not something I was exposed to often. But by far, she's been the most effective person at getting me to let my walls down and dive deep into my own being. She makes me cry, and I don't cry very often. Um, well, I feel like I do a lot more these days, and I blame her for it. Um, I think she's nailed down quite well what it is to be human and the pain and the joy that is found in the human experience and leveraging, and leveraging that to connect to all of us and help us find meaning. Her guided meditations are available on Insight Timer, which I mentioned in the Buddhism episode, but she has a podcast called Live Awake that has the same meditations on it and then a YouTube channel. So if you want to try those out, you can just search for Sarah Blondin. Um, it's, her last name is B-L-O-N-D-I-N. Um, and I guarantee, I mean, I'm hesitant to make guarantees because I realize everyone 
experiences things differently. But if you go into those meditations with an open mind and open heart, and you do as she directs you to in terms of um, <clears throat> opening up, that you will probably also cry <laughs> and come to some deep, some deep truths by exploring the landscape that she's trying to get you to explore. Um, <clears throat> so following that are two books that I found revolutionary in terms of the New Thought movement. Um, new Thought is a big part of the New Age in terms of it's the power of positive thinking kind of stuff. Now, the two books are The Miracle Club by Mitch Horowitz and Linda McTaggart's The Power of Eight. Um, put simply, both of these books explore the idea that our thoughts are causative and how we can change our life and the world with that fact. After reading both of them, I've become convinced that this is a powerful tool and purpose of humanity. That there are things that we can accomplish when we are applying our thoughts and imaginations to creating the world we desire with our whole soul that are beyond what we've realized, especially in this modern age. There's scientific evidence for the ideas in these books, yet somehow we're all still here acting like we haven't discovered the fact that plants grow quicker and better when we send them nice thoughts. That is literal magic <laughs> to me, and I've known it for a while. I remember watching a Mythbusters episode when I was a kid, and they discovered that the plants who were being played in Mozart grew faster than the ones that they were playing, I want to say it was metal <laughs> for. But... They've also done several different iterations of that same study where the mere fact that you are sending positive thoughts and intentions towards these plants causes them to grow in a way that is statistically very significant. So they've done this scientifically. They've ran the numbers. But because science is hesitant to accept it, I think it's been kind of buried and discredited even though the scientific methods employed in finding those things out are 100% legitimate, and as as are the results. Um, it's just it's basically became become a dogmatic rejection of the truth at this point, as far as science is concerned. Like I I love and value science, and this is science, and you have science rejecting it um, on the whole, because you have a lot of people who have studied the stuff and then they're honest and truthful about the results and their careers get kind of destroyed over it. Um, because the community, the scientific community in general, isn't ready to accept what's being told to them, which is crazy to me considering the fact that they're happy to accept things like holographic universe and um, parallel universe theories that physics has, because physics has turned into pure science fiction at this point, um, which isn't to say it's even wrong. It's just that we've ventured into territory that's very new and different, and science is going to have to grow up if it's going to um, deal with these things. Um, but to get back to the point, these two books, um, Mitch Horowitz's The Miracle Club is more from an individual perspective and in how you 
use visualization, imagination, affirmation, prayer, a bunch of other things to change your own life. Um, the scientific studies behind that, as well as his own personal experiences in applying it and having things happen based off of just using your imagination. And then the power of eight is centered around the idea of group intention. So there's been several studies that she participated in and ran that they they performed with the utmost scientific rigor that they could to <clears throat> be taken seriously. And they discovered that when human beings gather in groups, and it doesn't seem to matter if they're actually physically together or not, as long as they're all doing it at the same time, that tremendous effects happen when human beings are gathered in prayer or intention on the behalf of other people. There's things like, there's accounts of people being straight up healed then and there after simple intention work with people, around eight people. That's why it gets the Power of Eight title. And then she talks a lot about the historical evidence of that, you know, you have group prayer and group intention being a thing that appears in multiple religions um, where you you have accounts of miracles happening because multiple people were gathered together to specifically pray for and intend for something to happen, and it does. Um, so... I'm currently kind of testing these things out on myself. Um, I've got some groups that I participate in that do group intentions for each other, you know, varying from things like we're trying to help certain members with their surgery, you know, family member surgeries going well or, or difficult family situations or minor medical problems and things like depression and just having bad days and we'll, intend for them, and you f you feel something unique and profound when you do it. Um, and not only that, but the results. It's kind of mind-boggling how effective it is. So that basically just brings us to the idea that we are capable of actual magic, and somehow I've been ignorant of it most of my life. Because that's, if if you can send your thoughts out and have it change things around you, then that's that's what magic is. Um, which which leads to my whole exploration of the occult. Um, but those are the two, those are the things that I would definitely recommend. I mean, of all of it, I would say Sarah Blondin is definitely going to have a feel-good effect in the moment at that time. And then, so it's it's an experience that I would motivate everyone to to try. And it's probably the easiest in terms of time and effort involved. It's just, you know, find a quiet 10, 15 minutes to pop in some headphones and go through one of our guided meditations. Uh, reading The Miracle Club and Power of Eight is obviously a bigger time sink, but you will come out of that 
with a lot more knowledge about the New Age in general, but what I consider to be the most powerful and significant part of the New Age, which has to do with our potential as humans and what I think her purpose is. I think us discovering what this stuff is and using it is an important part of us changing the world that we currently live in. Um, so I would heartily recommend those two books to you, um, Mitch Horowitz, The Miracle Club, and Linda McTaggart's Power of Eight. And as always, if any of you guys have any ideas as things that you want to hear about in next episodes, or if you guys want to share your own stories and spiritual experiences, you can reach out to me at newageraid at gmail.com. And then you can support the podcast either through Anchor or Patreon.com slash New Age Raid. Um, there's some stuff in the works. It just kind of involves my life being a little bit more settled than it is. We're looking about mid-March to move into our new home. And I'm thinking that things will definitely clear up by then. Also, <laughs> on an astrological level... <laughs> Um, Saturn's going to stop messing with me pretty soon. So, <laughs> um, which speaking of which, I think that's what I would like to talk about in the next episode. Astrology is something that I've been studying very keenly over the past few months. And it's definitely one of the skill sets that I've developed much more than some other areas. Um, it's one of those things that was really surprising to me. Because um, modern astrology doesn't do it justice in the sense that we all think it's just sun signs. And then you go and you read your horoscope in a newspaper and it doesn't apply to you at all. And there's a reason for that. It's because astrology is much more complicated than that. Um, and that if you're going off of a horoscope that's based off of your sun sign, it will be wrong frequently, all the time. <laughs> um I practice what would be considered traditional astrology in the sense that it's based off of ancient texts in Greek and Arabic and other things that have been translated to show how they used to do it. Um, obviously, astrology has a big part in human history. It's what led to astronomy. Um, but it's vastly more complicated and also it has proved to me to be eerily accurate in a lot of ways um, to the point where it's predicted my own life events in a way that's kind of freaked me out um, so there's legitimacy there it's just that the people who are currently communicating it and its image in current pop culture is not at all representative of what it actually is. And it's based off of the idea that existence is somewhat cyclical um, and that we can interpret how things are going to play out by looking for the signs and, and uh, whatnot in the stars, I guess. But I don't want to give away the the, uh, the whole podcast right now, but just to kind of pump it up with a little bit of legitimacy before I end so that you, you uh, 
want to listen to it. It's definitely way more complicated than you've ever been told. Well, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Um, and it's surprisingly effective. Now, most of you, that's not going to end up being... Some of you may choose to study it on your own, and that's great if you do. But in that sense, it becomes worthwhile to like talk to a competent astrologer, which hopefully I am one. <laughs> I'm currently trying to be. And uh, that's that's another resource that will that I'm hoping I can offer to to people on here is is using that as a tool for looking at your own life um, and who you are and kind of bouncing ideas off of what what it tells you. Um, I think it's good psychology if if that's all it is. I think it's something more than that, but even if it's just good psychology, I think it's effective in that in that arena. So we'll go ahead and end there. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. I always appreciate the amount of people that are giving this a go. So um, we will see you next week. Bye.